co-host Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Excited to be here. Excited to be back talking about modern. It's been a big modern run, Alex. We've had a we've had a return to form for our beloved little format. I know, I know. It's it's back. It's booming. Uh, content around modern is you know people's favorite content right now. We are doing uh, today. We're going to be talking about the modern format in general. We're going to break down the six top decks currently in the format. Do a little bit of a meta game breakdown. Uh, how some of the new modern horizons cards have affected it. Just how those decks are doing in general and where the, what the format looks like. Uh, so that's going to be really fun. Um, and, and yeah, it's, you know, it's, a, it's the modern, it's all about family, you know, it's all about family. That's, this is family week here on the MM cast. Yep, yep. You have any beer you want, as long as it's a Corona, just kidding. Uh, guys, we have, we are lucky enough to be working with TCG player. And I wanted to just give a quick shout out that we do have an affiliate code and any support that you give us, you hear that affiliate code up top. Uh, it's very, very helpful to the show and, and, and it keeping going. So do the thing. And if you see sweet cards and awesome brews, you hear about a deck on the show tonight that you think is awesome. Go ahead and get the deck if you want to. Just use our affiliate code. Uh, it really is helpful for keeping us going. Yep, so you don't, thank you to everybody who's done that so far. And you don't have to type in the code. You just There's a link in the description of this episode. If you click on that, TCG Player knows you clicked on it. And then any card you buy between uh, you clicking on that link and you buying stuff, as long, and until you buy, click on someone else's link, will it'll, TCG Player will remember you. And that that's all you need to do. You don't even need to know a code. Codes are yeah. for memories, and in this podcast, we just click on links because we're family. Codes are for special moves in video games. That's what they're for. Yeah, yeah. Break in, get unlimited money in The Sims. You just type Rosebud, which is another movie reference. As we mentioned at the top of the cast, we are talking about the metagame of Modern, but it has been pretty mixed up. You see, like, Modern Horizons 2 is doing what you want a Modern Horizons to do. It's giving a bunch of new decks life. It's giving a bunch of old decks more power. You have just in the modern metagame, just like we're going to be talking about Amulet, Titan, Orzhov, Stoneblade, Blitz, Blue, Red, or not Blue, Urge, which is an Urza graveyard discard as more deck hell's kitchen which is a food deck a food deck crashing football falls cascade we have living end also doing cascade you have a black green sacrifice list delver decks merfolk decks soul hoarder decks like the enchantress is back and then obviously you know john jessica and humans are there forever um so you have like a lot of cool stuff and that's just the in the first 14 days of the format there's a bunch of new stuff metagames changing every day uh and it's really exciting i'm 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 pretty pretty hyped yeah, I mean, it's it's very exciting to see some of these Horizons cards mixing things up. I just couldn't believe it when we came back, uh, you know, from this long time off and the format shifts and all of a sudden right back at the top, one of the age old most powerful decks that Modern has ever seen. But it's also crazy because it's a deck that has lost pieces over the years. And that's Amulet Titan. The fact that this deck is number one right now, it's the most played deck over the last two weeks just blows my mind, Alex. I mean, like, it, what do you attribute this? Is it just because the printing of a powerful land? Is that it? That's all it took? Uh, I think it's because Primeval Titan is the best creature ever printed. That's fair. That's a fair point. I, it's a hard, at least in modern history, like, yes, it's it's because a powerful land was printed, right? Like, anytime a powerful land is printed, Amulet Titan becomes the best deck in the format. <laughs> it happened with Field of the Dead and, like, Amulet Titan or whatever, or, 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 or um, other different lands decks, I guess, but really Amulet Titan. Like, it happened with that. It happened with um scape shift it happened with other options like it, it just it takes a primeval time takes advantage of new powerful lands being printed so well and titan and, and and part of it is amulet is the most explosive version of those primeval titan decks so especially early on in a format it's going to be the best this might get to the point where the deck becomes a little bit smoother out now specifically urza saga does stuff with amulet right like those cards 
are meant for each other in some ways. It, well, I mean, yes, the way that the way that it as a land interacts with bounce lands and the fact that you want to be playing so many bounce lands in this deck um, is a significant part of what makes this so powerful, uh, the, especially the templating of sagas. The fact that you get you get the first effect the turn it comes in. So then, then the next turn, you can let that main phase activation go off, play a bounce land, get it back in your hand, get it back into play. Uh, the creature you get off of it is obviously incredibly valuable. But then the fact that the Urza Saga third ability gets you Amulet of Vigor into play. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that, right. Like, That's the, the, those. It's like it, that card is kind of made for the deck. It's pretty bananas. Right. Like like and it it's timed right. Right. Like if you play Urza Saga on turn, if you play Urza Saga on turn one, you get a Titan. You can amulet tight do the amulet titan shenanigan things by turn three pretty easily. If you right. play Urza Saga on turn two, you get to make constructs two turns in a row, and then turn four you have a, a primeval titan amulet shenanigans going off. So, and and normally having an amulet of vigor in play and playing primeval titan generally wins you the game with right. that turn just due to the way that the deck functions. And so that's, that's, I think, I think just it's a consistency thing and it's a versatility thing, right? It's always going to be decent because it's going to make you blockers that let sh like one problem that Titan decks often have is surviving to the turns where it can start winning and being able to create the construct tokens that act both as a threat from a different angle alongside acting as a, a fog against some decks right like some decks is just like I, being able to make blockers so that i can survive the turn five wins me the game because i as soon as i can cast primeval titan i win and so, again some decks them stopping me doing stuff with my hand like a control deck uses their resources that then the fact that this urza saga just drew me two cards right like i got two cards off of this land without There's as card advantage there's a couple things also that support this deck working. And for those on audio, maybe that don't know the cards we're talking about as quite as well. The the specific land that we're talking about that has really turned this deck on is Urza Saga. It's an enchantment land. It's not legendary. So it's a saga that's a land. It comes down. The turn it comes down, it gains the ability to tap to make a colorless mana. It's just a colorless land. Uh, because it is a saga, the next turn, it then gains the ability, still has the ability to tap for a colorless if you want to, but it gains the ability to and a tap create a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token that gets plus one plus one for each other artifact you control it gets the urza the, the token that you get when you play urza it gets that you can make it for two and then the third thing you get to three you sacrifice it you search your library for an artifact converted mana cost zero or one so the significance there obviously is that you can get amulet of vigor into play but because of the sequencing of this card and the fact that it gains these abilities it does mean that bounce lands allow you to get multiple iterations of a card that's going to be able to make you creatures. The more of the creatures you make, the bigger it gets. And then on top of all this, the thing that I was going to point out, Alex, that really stands out to me is that they have just gotten more comfortable over the last three or four years, allowing green cards to put additional lands into play. It's interesting because they banned Summer Bloom, which was the old sorcery that used to make this deck work, right? It was green one for a sorcery that you could play up to three lands this turn. Mm -hmm. And that was the old card you'd play. You'd, you'd cast that. And then because of the way that bounce lands work with Amulet of Vigor, you'd be able to turbo into a Titan and double strike them out. Because of Dryad of the Elysian Grove and the fact that... Well, and, and you, have, you have Dryad of the Elysian Grove, you have Arboreal Grazer, and you have yep. and you have Explore. All of them... And then you have Azusa, right? These are all different things that let you do that, that mechanic. And, and previously, 
the deck has had really good redundancy for because of Summoner's Pact as well, right? You can find your Primeval Titan, you can find Azusa if you need it the turn you need it. And so it was able to kind of go off in that way. And kind of to, to explain, the other thing that's really powerful of Amulet is that they stack, right? If you have one Amulet in play, these lands come into play untapped, which breaks them in some ways because they are used. They use the tap ability as a, a, as a fixing, specifically the bounce lands. But if you have two in play, you can tap them in response to the untapped trigger. So a single Simic Growth Chamber, two uh, Amulet of Vigors, and an Azusa generates eight mana. <laughs> Right. And yeah, because so crazy. like every time or no more than that, because you have two amulets, it's and you get two additional land drops. So you're you're playing it three times and each time you get four mana off of it. So it's 12 mana off of an Azusa, two amulets and a bounce land. So like and then you play Primeval Titan, which then gets you two additional bounce lands, which then get like like and that's how the yeah, deck, it deck got- changed itself. You use use that to find Hanawar Battlements, which Primeval Titan then brings into play, giving Primeval Titan haste, allowing it to you know do it again. So it's able to just create such an amount of value, put so many lands in play, eventually using a Summoner's Pact. Like, <laughs> eventually what it does is it uses Primeval Titan Trigger to get Teleria West in a bounce land, bouncing Teleria West to its hand, transmuting for Summoner's Pact, and then grabbing Dryad of the Elysian Grove to make all of your lands mountains so that when you cast, so that Valakit triggers also start happening too, right? Like, all of these... Yeah, it's all, it's all these triggers. I mean, the, the thing that's so dangerous about this, and I think maybe this will be the last thing we can kind of say about this deck before we move on, but the thing that's so dangerous about this is if you use the most convenient form of removal that Modern has historically had to offer against a Primeval Titan, it gives them another land after they've already gotten two lands. You cast the card, it gets you two lands. I then path your card. Okay, sure, you do need creatures to win. I recognize that, so maybe I've bought myself a turn, but you just got to, I'm giving you another land. Like, they get so far ahead on their mana situation that like the common pieces of removal just don't get the job done. Bolt doesn't get it done. Push doesn't get it done. Uh, Solitude does now without giving them a land. Uh, Asmore does without giving them a land. So yeah. that, that was yeah. a big conversation me and Michael had uh, over the weekend. Like Asmore makes six toughness previously a big, a big because of magma- a magnetic, magmatic, magnetic, whatever the the five mana delve spell that does five damage um, or like previously other like five damage was kind of the tap out for like maximum red damage because as more six, six power has or six toughness has become such a more significant roadblock. And so, but the thing that tightens even regardless of path or fatal push or terminate or any kind of removal spell you bring in against it, like the reason Titans have always been powerful is because they kind of removal doesn't work against them because their ETB is so strong that the yeah. like removing it, I mean, path is extra extra bad because you give them the they now have three lands for their six mana versus just two. But even if you terminate solid removal spell, they're still getting the two lands they need in play. And in this deck, that's probably all they need to really start building enough of an advantage to win. And then, like, and and kind of what I was just saying is that the deck has always had that redundancy with Summoner's Pact and Teleria West. Like that little package has allowed them to have any green creature they need, and they only need Primeval Titan, they need one Primeval Titan, and one. I play extra lands creature and they can start doing really powerful things. Now with Urza's saga, you now have the redundancy on the other side. Cause the, the reason this deck was never super consistent was because if you don't have amulet, this deck does a lot of nothing, right? It, or does, it's not as powerful it's as just, it could be. It's just clunky. Aff. Yeah. I mean, you just end up, you just end up being real slow. Yes. <laughs> taking your time, 
casting a six drop, which like, let's be honest, sometimes in, in magic, in games of magic, if you just like, cast something that costs six, you just win anyway. Right. Even right. if you do it in a fair way, yeah, you, were, you were just, you would, you would ramp to six mana by turn four regardless, and then just cast primeval Titan and win off the fact that casting primeval Titan can win you the game. But now Urza's saga pretty much guarantees you have an amulet, the turn you need to have Titan in play. So, yeah, the inevitability of the situation, I think the big takeaway for us when looking at this deck, number one, it's remarkable that this deck is still at the top. It's been a consistent performer now for years and years and years, which is really cool. The biggest addition here is the addition of the four copies of Urza Saga that the deck gets to play. It now gives an inevitability to the lands you're getting that can go that extra mile to build up an army and win. Otherwise, this deck is basically what it's been. That, that That's the major, major update, uh, the major change. It also got Abundant Harvest is, is the other big addition from Modern Horizons, which is just the best green cantrip. And maybe yeah, one of the best cantrips I, I, in the format. I, I, I would say that, that that makes the deck a little more consistent, but my guess is that had it not gotten Abundant Growth or Abundant Harvest, I think it still would be a top deck, even without oh, yeah, yeah. that. I it think would, it would just be it playing would, a slightly worse cantrip, and that would be that. It'd be playing Ancient Stirrings, right? The Abundant Harvest has replaced Ancient Stirrings as the go-to um, card. Interesting, because I actually think in some ways I like Ancient Stirrings a little bit more, but it kind of also speaks to now how great the redundancy of the deck is and how important it is to find your non-lands in yeah. the deck that having abundant harvest lets you skip that land process where before it was more important to be able to find specific lands, which is why ancestral visions was so important. Not ancestral visions. Ancient, Ancient stories. Yeah. I can set it right the first yeah. time. I should be rewarded. I should get a giant <laughs> trophy be behind me for saying ancient <laughs> stirrings correctly the first time. Uh, just the other kind of small things in the sideboard that I think are interesting. It's playing a foundation breaker, which is the evoke artifact enchantment creature, which I think is pretty cool. And then uh, it's playing engineered explosives. And that's something I actually wanted to talk about today, which is, you know, there's a lot of lists out right now on like what cards you should be playing that people are maybe not playing enough of. And engineered explosive is a big one. A lot of the big threats out of Modern Horizons 2 have a hard time with engineered explosives. You have Asmore, which is a free card. You have uh, Crashing Footfalls now, which is, you know, two tokens. Like there's a bunch of one drops, tokens, and zero drops that having uh, an answer for is really important. Being able to get rid of the Urza Saga uh, constructs, right? And, and so it's definitely a card that I think, A, is a good pickup, and B, is a card that I would want to find more and more ways to play it. And that's one of the reasons I think Amulet Titan is also doing well is because it can tell Aerial West for stuff like Engineered Explosives out of the sideboard. Right. So that's, that's Amulet Titan. All right, so the next deck we're going to talk about today is Orzhov Stoneblade. Stoneforge Mystic is doing it. Uh, that's not super surprising when you have a card like Caldra Complete added to the format. Um, you're able to cheat in a 7-drop uh, Indestructible 5-5 five, five with Haste, First Strike, Trample, Indestructible, and whenever it does damage to a creature, exile that creature. Seems pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but, it does indeed. But uh, getting that into play on turn three seems like a pretty big beating. And then you still get Batter Skull. Um, but this is, this is, it has ended up being the Grief, Solitude, Ephemerate, uh, Malekith, Rebirth deck, right? It ended up that Stoneforge Mystic Shell, partially because it can take advantage of those Ephemerates or take advantage of that Enter the Battlefield repeat, has been really, really strong. And add that to the fact that you now also get cards like Dwathi Voidwalker, which with Malakir Rebirth lets you do the vo Voidwalker dance and then 
if it if you sacrifice it to steal something good of theirs that you're able to kill or remove or put into exile, you're able to now use Malakir Rebirth to get Dwathi Voidwalker back and put it into play. The deck is very much taking advantage of Stoneforge Mystic, but it's just taking, like, the big thing is it's taking advantage of the engine everyone was excited by about the grief, solitude, ephemerate, uh, Malakir Rebirth, being able to kind of blink these things together. Um, also taking advantage of the getting the ability to play Vindicate now, so being able to answer any threat, including the Primeval Titans that we were just talking about, and the Urza Sagas, right? Like, this can act as a land destruction card, which is something the deck kind of needs right now. The combination of Grief in your opening hand combined with the Inquisition of Kozilek so that you have that ability to go double on turn one if need be. Um, even if, you know, I mean, you can do the Ephemerate plan, but you can just rip their hand apart. When you can rip people's hands apart, having Vindicate is so significant. And the reason is because if you're controlling the tempo of the cards they're playing and the times they're playing them, if you destroy lands that according to what they have in their hand, you can completely turn off somebody's day. Right. Like you can make it so that they're just, they're drawing... They're drawing dead because they've lost their best card. They need to hit this, the fifth, the fourth land to cast the spell. They have to double color, whatever it is. And you that that Vindicate can be a big deal in that situation. There's also like a level of just Stoneforge Mystic is such a great discard target for Solitude, right? Because once you play the first one, every second one is worthless. Not worthless, but significantly less powerful. A lot less good, um, yeah. And so being able to use that with Solitude, I also think it's really cool that they're using Skyclave Carrots in this list. Skyclave Cleric, which is the uh, two mana one three that when it enters the battlefield, you gain two life, but it's a, a double face card oh. where the backside is a tapped land. And being able to have that as a land that you can discard to Solitude that can also just be a great one three blocker in the way of your blitz opponent, in the way of creatures attacking you that's gained you life to kind of let you stabilize to get to play some of the bigger stuff, I think is a really cool kind of option and 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 it takes advantage of like like kind of playing like burn fighting against a skyclave carrot a, a skyclave cleric and ephemerate sounds seems really like tough yeah it seems like <laughs> one three is gonna be able to block a lot of stuff plus the gain two plus the double like an ephemerate gets you four more yeah like, i mean ephemerate's really powerful that's really cool yeah this deck is sweet this deck's doing a lot of really really cool things for grief for solitude it's a good shell i opened up most of a box of horizons and i got I got one solitude, no grief. Uh, I think something that's interesting too um, is that Dwathi Voidwalker, even with the four Dwathi Voidwalkers in the main, they're still playing two Sanctifier and Vex in the in the sideboard. Just like I'm going to fight Graveyard decks, and with with one of the decks uh, that we're going to talk about next, just with Asmore, uh, you know that Asmore on Dakota God, whatever God uh, I'm so annoyed that that card is good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I love it. It's like exactly what I want in a card in magic. But like the fact that I have to say it, uh, it like makes it so like hating on graveyards is 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 more and more important than ever before. And so Sanctifier, Dwathi Voidwalker in the main, but then Sanctifiers in the sideboard allow you to kind of really hate on those decks. And the fact that it has pro red, pro black, right? Like it's kind of acting as a, a, a its own version of a way to stop decks that would normally be hard for a grindier deck to fight against. Yeah, I'm really happy that uh, they recognized finally over time that like graveyard effects weren't like a novelty that like colors needed to be able to do as like a side thing. Like there's so many cards that are like exile one card from an opponent's graveyard or like nuke this thing to get rid of their graveyard. But like there are these specialty cards you have to be playing and they like often make your deck weaker. There's not that many that like specifically play into a game plan. The fact that Dothy Voidwalker exists now or they've given the free green creature like that's just so good that those things exist. 
it makes decks be able to do things so much more competitively and cautiously and not just worry about getting a roll, you know? Right, Because right. a Voidwalker is obviously a great hoser card, but it's also a card that if you play it on turn two and you stabilize the game, they'll be dead in seven turns. Yes, if they don't, for sure. If they don't answer that card, it just wins on its own, right? Yeah, it happens. And you can shut down their deck. It's like having a Torpor Orb that domes for three unblockably is pretty good, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. The Going to going to another list that's 5-0'd recently, uh, some other cool cards that people are playing. Skyclave Apparition with Ephemerate is obviously going to be really strong. Yeah, so yeah. I'm seeing a lot of Tide Hollow Skullers uh, in these Black-White Stoneblade lists. One of my favorite cards of all time. Just continuing the uh, Let's Eat Your Hand game plan. Uh, Damn, mo- the more recent card is also seeing play, yep. which isn't very surprising. Um, and then you get some swords. I did see a mull of the Skyclaves, which I think is really spicy, which is the uh, plus two, plus two flying in first strike. And then it automatically attaches to a creature when it enters the battlefield. So you're able to make your solitudes or your griefs or your uh, Stoneforge mystics into like these bigger threats, um, which is really cool as just an additional piece. And then um, and then, yeah, and then there's like the the other one that's seeing play. And this one actually is not seeing as much play with uh, necessarily um, the Solitude and Grief game plan, but that's the Yorion 95 card versions of the deck, right? Where you're just playing yeah, so many creatures. It's the, it's, it's the bigger versions, lots of blinking stuff. Um, I think it's a little less clever, personally. I think that the other one is utilizing new cards in a cooler way. But the Orion deck is still powerful. Yeah, yeah. I think I think cons- I think they've now given enough pieces that being able to get a cauldron into play consistently with Stoneforge Mystic is more important than the Yorion Blink game plan that the old versions of this deck used right. to play with. And grief and solitude are enough of a target with Ephemerate that you don't really need the Yorion in the sideboard as much as you do just kind of are going to win the game by eating their hand out and then destroying their lands with Vindicate. Right. For sure. I think that deck is pretty cool. Um so moving on to our third deck, which one do you want to talk about? Should we talk about Blitz? Yeah, we're gonna that be, deck's we're pretty gonna be talking about Blitz. Um, so this is continuing from last one. This probably has the least amount of cards um, really added to the deck that have been really important, but it's a big one, and that's Dragon Rage Channeler. Um, yeah. Just the ability. This card, I think, like I like we talked about it earlier on, is like one of. Just it's so powerful getting a surveil off of every card every turn that that just like lets you chain into more and more stuff in your graveyard. It lets you put lava darts in your graveyard, which end up being really, yep. really powerful um, and just letting you go off and making sure every card you draw is valuable. And then on top of that, eventually becomes the three, three flyer that Delver wish it could be as a three, two flyer. I did notice the blue red Delver is getting played, by the way. It is. It is. It is. Dragon Drake Channeler is in both lists. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Well, Jack, and like, like this is one of the blue red lists. One that list I saw that was really cool was Phoenix lists where they're playing Dragon Drake Channeler as like literally a self mill card, kind of what used to like Hedron Crab used to be. But instead of just having a zero two, you get a three, three flyer. instead uh which i would rather have um as much as i love a hedging crab and so like this package is just really strong it continues to do really well stormwing entity continues to be uh really powerful in these decks it's just like a two mana three three prowess um and monastery swiftspear just continues to prove itself as one of the best red drops in the world one thing i think is interesting is that you know stormwing entity ended up being the card that made to this deck and and that card's what like a year and a half old or something like that when did m21 even come out last summer like fall Okay, so yeah, it's, it's not that old. Um, 
this was a card that when it was printed, I was excited about it. I know you were excited about it. We both believed that there was real promise that this was going to be good. Um, the card that ends up in the Blue Red Delver deck that isn't in this version of the deck, though, is the Delve guy. It's, uh, um, I can't think what he's called. You know, the, the Blue Blue Delve guy. Um, sure, yes. The, um, it is Merktide Regent. Merktide Regent. So that card doesn't show up in this list. It shows up in the Delver lists. And, and to me, it's sort of like, we, I guess you're comparing a little bit of like, is your deck set up to take advantage of Stormwing or is it set up to take advantage of the other guy? And I think Stormwing is going to be a more consistent card to be able to use. You know, the other card we didn't mention that is so cool that this deck has added that I think is really a big part of the deck's success is the card Expressive Iteration. From, from it's kind Strixhaven. of a perfect card. Yes. Yeah, yeah. from Strixhaven. It's blue-red for a sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand. Put one of them on the bottom of your library and exile one of them. You may play the exile card this turn. The reason this is so good is because you look at the top three, you put one into your hand, you put one into exile, and you put one on the bottom. The exile card's almost always going to be a free spell, right? So you're almost always going to be getting a Lava Dart or a Mutagenic Growth or something like that, or a Mishra's Bobble, something that you can play for free because it obviously is going to trigger all your stuff. On turn two, uh, yeah. Because on turn on turn four, when you like, one of the reasons this card's good is like late game, you can cast this and cast your one drops and two drops off of it. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think this card turbos the deck out really well because even when you're tight on mana, putting a mutagenic growth or you know a lava dart or something like that into exile um, is really really powerful. Well, lava, so just lava the dart, fact that you could lava dart, you still have to cast it for one red. You can't you can't flash it back for free from your graveyard, but you can do mutagenic growth. You can do um, the other one that it plays the. Uh... Oh, oh, right. You can't no, flash it back. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Sense. So that it's it's sense. if you're lucky with expressive iteration, you can get Mishra's Bobble into your side in your graveyard, or a or if you're uh, playing uh, Mutagenic Growth, that's an often option as well. But on turn three, every your deck is mostly one drops, and then on turn four, your deck is actually only one drops and two drops. So you're able to get a significant amount of more cards that you're just going to guarantee to cast it, and then even casting it on turn two, where you just get to put one in your hand. And Are you at all surprised at the lack, uh, the lack of gut shots here? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think Unholy Heat is just going to be one of the more premier removal spells moving forward. Being able to do Shock in the early game and then Delirium, like alongside Dragon Rage Channeler, where you're and Thought Scour, you're going to get so many cards in your graveyard. And this deck plays so many different instants and sorceries that getting to Delirium with land and creatures, the other two things you need, isn't going to be that difficult. So Unholy Heat, being able to just answer Primeval Titans is so much more important than being able to answer one drops. There's so, it, but especially with Gutshot. It is interesting to point out here, though, Thought Scour is not in this list. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the Delver of Secret list. You're right. In the Is It Blitz, in the is it Blitz list, they're playing Lava Dart instead because you want the two triggers. And you, if yeah. you're playing Lava Dart, you don't want to play um gut shot especially because dragon rage channeler does still let you get the lava darts in your graveyard to be able to cast them for free so like that like cute getting yeah. a free one damage is still available to the deck where mutagenic growth is ostensibly pay two life due to damage to my opponent trigger prowess right like that's that's the goal of that card they're similar decks. I think what's especially cool about the two decks is that blue-red right now is a viable option. For the players that like to be blue-red tempo decks, um, they're very good right now. There's a there's a pathway. There's a nice there's a nice uh, crockpot sort of of cards here that work really well in multiple different iterations. There's this Blitz list and this Delver list, but given the fact that they're playing so many of the same types of cards, 
you could probably mix and match and come up with your own iteration of a blue red tempo deck that's pretty awesome i'll bet because like you said i'll bet you there's a there's a phoenix version as well um makes me happy to see blue red in a good place yeah. these are these are the types of decks i like to play yeah the other card we haven't really brought up uh is ragavan or ragavan uh where it's yeah, like one of my favorites obviously one of the coolest cards in the set uh and i think it's still the most expensive card um just the it gains you so much advantage you're able to ramp into stuff you're able to get artifacts into play it does a lot of really powerful things i'm not i'm not surprised to see it that's on the delver side uh i would be surprised i'm gonna i'm interested to see if delver survives here like between dragon rage channeler ragavan murktide regent uh and then stuff like Swiss Sphere and Stormwing Entity and Skull Scar Mage. Like, I think those cards just pound per pound feel stronger to me than Delver is. And it doesn't feel like they're controlly enough to really get away with it. So I'll, I'm interested to see, as I've talked a lot of crap about Delver of Secrets, if it survives. You really have. I don't, I don't, like, it just seems like, speaking <laughs> of the gut shots, like, and or speaking of Lava Darts, they just, like, ruin its day. It, if you draw it late game, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> I don't know. There just seems like better cards to be playing. Or I guess sideboard wise, nothing super interesting out of the Blitz deck. Uh, the Delver deck is playing some subtleties um, just in a bunch of other free spells, like a bunch of cheap counter spells, right? Uh, but also playing the Engineer Explosives. Like that, the, I mean, to a point in this deck, uh, Ragavan, Dragon's Rage Channeler, Delver of Secrets. Monastery Swiss Sphere, Soul Scar Mage are all cards that uh, Engineer Explosives ruins the day of. So true, very true. Uh, I, um, that card seems to be more and more powerful as we go. All right, next list we're going to be talking about today is the blue the URG decks. Erg, <laughs> uh, which I believe is Urza Graveyard, but I'm willing for someone on the internet to explain to me why it's called Erg. I thought it was blue, red, green, and then I looked at the list, and it is uh, very much a Grixis deck. So, <laughs> and debatably, it's a blue, red deck that is playing Street Wraith and Oval Chase Daredevil, two cards that it never plans on casting for black mana. In fact, if I were to look closely, oh, yeah. it literally has exclusively Mox Amber and Springleaf Drum available to spend black mana to cast either of those two spells. Um, wow. So it's really a blue red deck, right? And then it has it has it has or it has black free spells that aren't intended to play anything. And this is, this is the like more one of the two very powerful Asmore decks. This is pairing Asmore as like the artifact side with Urza and being able to take advantage of underworld cookbooks interaction with oval chase daredevil, like where you can just every free turn, get a free food with that. Cause every turn you discard oval chase devil. So oval Chase Daredevil, three and a black human pilot. It's an old, it's an older card. It's from Kaladesh, not older, but it's from Kaladesh. Uh, four, two human pilot. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may return oval chase Daredevil from your graveyard to your hand. And the combo with this is with underworld cookbook, which lets you tap it to discard a card. Um, to, and then you get to create a food token. You discard the Daredevil uh, and then create a food token that triggers the Daredevil and returns it back to your hand. So every turn you get to trigger the Daredevil effect. And then while that's happening, you get to cast Asmore for, you know, for one mana. You also have Street Wraith to do the exact same thing. That's why you're playing the Street Wraith. You just to cycle it to cast Asmore. Right, right, right. Um, and uh, can do 
and and then lightning axe is the other big kind of discard spell <laughs> that lets you get kind of get these across and then you're just playing a good urza deck right you're playing some great hate ca- hate cards you're playing some good stuff there you're playing mox ambers because you're playing both ragavan as more and emery as like three different one mana artifact creatures so by, by turn two you'll be able to turn mox amber on which allows you on turn three to play your urza lord high artificer it's also taking advantage of the new card thought monitor which is uh affinity for artifacts two two six blue flying when it enters the battlefield draw two cards yeah it's a really i mean that's that's one of the that's one of the cooler cards in the set it's interesting this list the you know the this 5-0 list is only playing uh, two Mox Ambers, which I guess you go through a lot of your deck probably. I think, but it does seem like they could be playing more. I think you're taking advantage. I think drawing multiples of that card is not as good as it used to be in like affinity lists and drawing Mox right. Mox Opals. And because they're not always on, you don't want to draw too many of them. I think. Sure. I think it it because it's playing it more is just a like I get to play a Mox, haha, and that's powerful enough, right? Like it allows you to do stuff like on turn one play no on turn one you can't do that i guess oh you can play ragavan street wraith mox amber asmore so you have five power on turn one okay yeah yeah right and then that's that's gonna be and then that and then you then you that that draws you like the thing that's cool about asmore is it always draws you a cookbook so you then draw into the cookbook where then on turn two you can play the cookbook and just start going off on that side as well. So there's just like a lot of really powerful ways that all of these cards interact with in really interesting ways. And then just Urza is your top end. You just have a very powerful four drop that will win you the game when you untap with it. Right. I mean, Urza is just extremely good anyway. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some cool stuff in here. Uh, you know, the, the list I'm looking at is playing, you know, a bunch of one ofs uh, that I imagine those interact with the Urza saga. You'd, you'd think probably there being more one ofs, you know, Aether spell bombs and shadow spears and cards like that you have to think there's probably more of that being played now because of urza saga just trying to late game be able to take advantage of the card yes yeah the fact that both of these decks are urza saga decks is definitely you know wanting to have good one drops and zero drops that you can find um interesting that there's also uh there's a blue white version here that's playing esper sentinel and dispatch but then it's playing you're gonna love this it's playing one hex parasite so with urza's Ah. with urza's saga (laughs) hex parasite allows you to remove the counters Oh, yes. in response to things in response so that you can get the triggered effect to remove them uh, so you can kind of like keep your Urza sagas alive. I can't. I had a foil. I had a foil hex parasite at one point that I was holding on to. I can't remember if I sold it or not. If it ended up in just like a stack somewhere, it's probably just in a stack somewhere. I love that. I, it's, I love that it's seeing play with Urza Saga though. I think it's really cool that it yeah. lets you just like loop and make construct every turn. Like you get to just keep making constructs and it'll never yeah. go away. So like for three for literally for three life for two life and three mana you get or f- four mana every turn you get a construct and you can just win that way that's like gonna win you a lot of games on its own um yeah this list is really really sweet and urza saga finds you a hex parasite so you can find hex parasite and then if you have two urza saga you know keep right. looping them which is good <laughs> right. it gets you the heck it sets you up yeah that's really sweet. um so that's really cool in the world of there's blue there's a blue blacklist as well. Um, and this one's playing bone shards, really. And it's mostly just a mono blue list. But in the sideboard, you get access to Fatal Push and Thoughtseize and Ashiok and Tezzeret. But it's allowing it to also just cast the Street Wraiths. Because that's something that like I'm surprised by the first list. And I would maybe think of adding 
maybe some additional ways of making black mana if possible. Just because there are games that I have won just from casting a Street Wraith. In, in sure, I mean, you, you, it's got that has to be the case, right? Right, like like in in Death Shadow List, especially where it's like. I top deck this. My opponent has no cards in hand. A lot of people snap move in those lists is just to cycle it, right? It's like, oh, no, I need a better card. But like, oh, I have five mana. They don't have anything. If I just place a three, four unblockable creature, they won't win. This this is a big enough of a threat. And and so I think like removing that as a consistent option in your deck is like, you know, it's it's two, you know, five percent of games. But that's enough where oh maybe i could just get away with adding some extra lands to the deck yeah i think so too. adding like I a single I, black fetch fetchable source yeah and i think it's i mean i just think it's a particularly i think it's a particularly interesting style of deck so um yeah i think uh i think i'm, I'm i would love to keep uh keep moving on what do you want to talk about next all right we're talking about more food actually if you if you are hungry today is the day uh, is this the Hell's Kitchen deck? Asmoran Amor Dekai Descended Kildakar. It's that like last section that's going to get me, me every time. Asmoran Amor Dekai Descended Kildakar. Yeah, I messed that one up. Uh, so this is this is taking advantage of the fact that Underworld Cookbook is just a discard version of Witch's Oven, right? And so you're playing Asmore, Cauldron Familiar, Gilded Goose, Lotleth Troll... Uh, in some lists, you're playing the Oval Chase Daredevil combo, Street Wraith, um, Feasting Troll King, which I'm super excited by and definitely tried making work <laughs> when it was first previewed. B- just like very hungry Vengevine, uh, Pithing Needle, Shadow Spear, Underworld Cookbook, and Witch's Oven, and, and then just some good lands, including Urza Saga. Um, but it's just it's taking advantage of the fact that like you now get to play a Cauldron Familiar Underworld Cookbook, Witch's Oven, Asmore, Gilded Goose, Feasting Troll King, Amalgamation of Food Cards that all just like synergize in such a cool way at such a good rate, right? Like Oven, Kitchen Oven, uh, Cat Oven has been banned out of multiple formats on Arena just from power level. And and the only reason it hasn't really seen play in Modern is just it wasn't consistent enough. There weren't enough good food cards to see play alongside of them. But now with Underworld Cookbook and Asmore, uh, you have that going for you. And, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Asmore is warping the format on what threats are really viable. Being able to do six damage, to have any creature do six damage to itself, basically for free, there are times where it's just like, it's in play, they have three food in play, and you can't play a creature ever again. Just you're locked out of the game. They like You no longer get to play creatures, or any creature you play dies. And then they have so many easy ways to make food and make value out of food that playing around it's impossible. Um, that like, it's one of the reasons I think like Urza Saga is what card people are talking about right now as the most likely card to get banned. I can see Asmore getting banned pretty soon after that. If it yeah, if it continues to just like hate out every single creature that has a six toughness and doesn't instantly gain you value in the format. It seems pretty dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it seems really good. It's crazy. It, it completely missed my radar when I was looking at the set in the first place. I just maybe it was just complicated. I didn't want to read the name. It seemed like a joke. I'm not sure why, but I just didn't pay that close of attention to it. So the fact that it's as good as it is, I mean, it's not really surprising, but it's just um, it's it's one of those weird ability cards that they print that seems to be having a huge impact. I do agree with you. The fact that we're seeing four copies of Urza Saga deck after deck after deck 
does make me think that that's the kind of thing you don't want to be seeing. You don't want to just see four of a land in every single deck. Like that's not a fun state of design if that's the case in any color. Yeah, I like I go back and forth on it. I think it's a little too homogenizing. It is allowing multiple decks to exist and it isn't that expensive compared to obviously fetch lands are a very low bar to 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 not be less more expensive than but like we've there they were in of the four decks we've talked about so far three of them as as a as a four of to some extent right there in the stone blade deck sure uh no they aren't in stone blade so they're they're not in the stone blade deck so they're in, they're in half they're in they're in the blue er, they're the erg deck hell's kitchen the blue blue red graveyard deck hell's kitchen and amulet titan all, all are currently playing them now hell's kitchen and blue the blue red graveyard deck the artifact deck are not too far off from each other they are both taking advantage of the asmore oval chase uh uh underworld cookbook kind of engine uh street wraith engine but the blue red deck is doing an urza thing with it i don't know I, it's like it's doing cool stuff it doesn't feel nearly as oppressive as other other things that are, are going on. But I, I agree with you that it is showing up so significantly in the format that it seems worrisome. It's just it's the kind of thing that when they look at the format and they see it homogenized one card showing up in all strategies, that's the kind of thing they like to pay attention to and shut down. I mean, the other thing about this deck that I think stands out to me that's that's cool is that it is its own beast, but very much in the same way that like Tron and Eldrazi Tron used to exist. It's like this is a very similar build in a lot of ways to the last deck we were looking at to Erg. It, it plays half of the same cards. So it's just it's another iteration using powerful things that the format right now seems to be willing to let us do. Um, you know, let's give this a few months before we really talk about any kind of banning. So I don't think there's any sure. need for that yet. I do, I do think what's cool about this is like it's taking the two halves of the words of Asmore and going in two different directions, right? This is like disc the first one was like discard artifacts right like i'm doing to do graveyard artifact shenanigans great this one's like no 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 we're doing food things <laughs> right 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 um, and so it's taking advantage of kind of both halves which i think is really cool and you get to play gilded goose which is dope uh yeah it doesn't play goose yeah um do you want to go to the the next the next deck the last let's do it is the last one all right also, just I mean, like, let's talk about Feasting Control Queen really quick. Actually, I'm just really excited that this this guy is seeing play. <laughs> this is like my favorite, like Phoenix, Vengevine, Feasting Troll King. I'm just hyped that we're getting getting these food, food tribal shenanigans decks. This is definitely one of the first decks I think I'm looking forward to build. It's doing a lot of things I really love. I love the like discard sacrifice like loop that happens here um I'm, I'm really excited by these food decks i think they're really really cool yeah agreed i mean i think that they're super interesting lots of dink and dunk and interactions and triggers and things like that it's my favorite kind of magic i think like it and the orzov stoneblade decks are the two decks i'm i'm most excited to build the most hyped yeah. on yeah i'm pretty excited about the blue red deck i also am really excited to talk about this next deck because this is this is one that's big time on my radar and this is the cascade deck this feels like the cascade deck that i would want to play if i was going to have ever played cascade um yes so it's so it's a teamer cascade deck um it's taking advantage of the fact that bone crusher giant and brazen borrower have a spell half that costs two but a creature half that costs three so that if you play a shardless agent you're not going to trigger those cards uh subtlety so that you have extra cards to exile to get a free trigger jace the mind sculptor so you have things to toss to your subtleties everything in this deck just about is blue 
You have Crashing Footfalls as a four of. That's the big payoff card. Force of Negation, again, the hard cost being three. Violent Outburst as your Cascade five through eight. Cryptic Command and then Fire Ice, which, correct me if I'm wrong here, Fire Ice, you can cast either half if you do hit it with no, your... they can't hit either half. So they Okay, remember, because now the total is four, not Remember two. the Boom Bust change? There was a while where Boom Bust was a card people could play with right. in, in the format, and they got rid of okay. that as, as a thing you can do. Uh, you can cascade into so yeah so bone crusher giant brazen borrower and fire and ice and and just to, to to you know obviously force of negation and, and subtlety. subtlety all giving you like an honest to god interact in, interaction package like like these are all totally fine cards to interact with allowing for some more a more casually focused cascade into Crashing Footfalls Football. deck is like I mean, super you, sweet. You have eight opportunities to pay three mana for eight to ten power. You're either going to get ten power for three mana, or you're going to get eight power for three mana, and that's your game plan. And you have all these cards to protect it. And the whole idea is get your get your eight power, get your ten power, protect it with you know interaction, removal, bounce, what have you, and win the game that way. Yep. And it's really cool. I mean, it's this is this is the best this is the best Crashing Footfalls deck I've seen. I really like I really like this. It seems very simple, very elegant. Um, and the fact that I think the printing of subtlety really pushes this over the edge for me. Oh, really? I think like subtlety is obviously important. I think having the like shardless agent as just like a good cascade spell to get into there. But I think I think more than anything, yeah, it's it's just like having this number of different ways to interact, just like that. I, I think subtlety helps, but I think it's even just you've now gone in enough different things. I think part of it to me though is just like shardless agent, right? Like having a you're not playing eight cards that don't do anything. Is I guess is I guess the point here, right? Like or like they cascade into the footfalls and that's it. So I think that helps. I just think I just think the subtlety is so important because to win with two four fours, whether you have ten power off of your shard, because I agree that, that this doesn't work without shardless agent. Like it has to, you have to have shardless agent right. for the stack to get built. The fact that your premier play that you want is ten power, but the fact that you have subtlety so that it's like okay, I on turn three do that thing that we always say you can't tap out on turn three unless it does something. So in this case, it kind of works because for three mana, you're going to get eight to 10 power. But then because you have subtlety, if they try to cast some big creature that's going to be hard for you to deal with, or they try to cast a planeswalker that's going to wipe the board or what have you, you have the tempo plate. I mean, you actually get to start doming them for eight at a time. And if you protect a couple turns, it's over. Right. So I think that's what's so good about it. And so I, th I think that on both levels, you know, you definitely need Shardless Agent. But I think beho beyond Shardless Agent, the fact that you have both a creature that doubles as something to clear the path for you as a really, really, really good piece of tech. Well, and, and the power of Violent Outburst being an instant is not to be underrated, right? Between like Bone Crusher Giant, Brazen Borrower, Subtlety, Force Negation, Violent Outburst, Cryptic Hand, Firing and Fire and Ice, you have. Those are all instants. The only non-instants in the entire deck are Crashing Footfalls, which you only cast by cascading, Shardless Agent, and Jace the Mind Sculptor. The balance of the deck's really great. It's the thing I like so much about it. This is a deck I would play. I kind of want to build this deck, to be honest. This seems just super, super, super fun. Yeah, I, I would say go for it. Or at least at a bare minimum, proxy it so we could do some live streams. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. If I'm you want to live stream, I'm, I'm back. I'm back on the train. I I gave in. I started doing it. I'll, I'm sure I'll regret it in a few months. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself again? I'm just just. But I like I like owning magic cards. What That's what fair. can I say? If you want us to live stream some modern decks, uh, please comment with a time, which day of the week it would be most convenient, and then also like hit that like button. 
right there. Hit that like button, make it happen. The other Cascade deck that's seeing a lot of play is the Living End deck, right? This is a deck that's been around forever. This is also taking advantage of Shardless Agent and the Brazen Borrower package, but this one's playing all of the Cyclers, right? It's playing, there's been so many good blue ones printed recently that it's let the deck um, kind of move away from some of the worst options that it had. There's just been between, you know, Striped River Winder, Windcaller Aven, you know, you have Street ha uh, Street Wraith, Glass Dust Hulk, you can uh, Curator of Mysteries, Architect of Will, pretty much all of your cyclers are now blue. Um, so you're able to be a much more focused blue-based version of the deck where the only cards that you're casting are, once again, Shardless Agent and Violent Outburst that aren't blue cards, right? Like everything else. Well, that's else. the other thing too, right? The, the fact that you have all this blue, it, it turns on your subtlety, but it also turns on your Force of Negation. That's right. that's where you're that's well, where you're really getting pushed over the, the edge. The Living End decks aren't playing subtlety. And I think that's partially just because it doesn't go to your graveyard, right? It exiles the card. Right, Like right, it's playing right, Force sure. of Negation because it, it's more of a combo deck, right? And these are just like, it doesn't care. The, your opponent playing creatures does not matter to the Living End. Partially because Living End's is a board wipe, right? They're going to try and get a creature right. into play. And you're like, okay, I'm drawing 12 cards between now and my turn three. And now I'm going to on my turn three cascade into all of those random cyclers being flyers in play. I'm going to swing for 12 damage in the air on my turn. And I wiped your board. Nice, nice one drops. Um, so I think that's part <laughs> of it. But, and this like, the fact that this is going to be like basically a mono blue deck, I think is other than Violent Outburst and Charlotte's Agent, it's like all blue cards. That's one of the other things I think Charlotte's Agent has been able to do is like, even as if like As Foretold deck starts seeing a little bit more play, the fact that Charlotte's Agent is a blue effect in that world. And you can even play the blue white one that gives Exalted the enchantment if you wanted to like okay. move away from red green. Also kind of is like a cool thing that these decks can do Um, is sweet. Yeah, for sure. God, I'm looking at Ragavan. I'm looking at Ragavan. I just got distracted. I hope I open a borderless Ragavan. Oh, you know, I got one, right? You ordered one? I, I opened one. A borderless one? Yeah, I got my my Sick. my pre-release packs. I opened up Garth One-Eyed, a Foil Piru Volatile. I'm just going to show these to the camera and brag. Foil Piru. Cool. Garth. Nice. Urza Saga. <laughs> You got some good opens at your pre-release. Uh, I got where are they? I got a foil Sojourner's Companion. Obviously, super important. <laughs> wow. Uh, Dermo Taxi, but import the the big ones. Foil Lonus. How many packs did foil you? Foil Art Ragavan. I opened up two pre-release kits. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. I opened. I got a foil uh, of the blue green guy as well. Uh, Merc Tide Regent. Yeah, I opened one of those. Uh, for the full art Ragavan, and then. I had a crimped violent tumor. I don't know if you can oh, see. Oh wow. It. Like the pack the pack <laughs> was basically open and was the one with the Urza Saga inside. I was sad the Urza Saga wasn't the crypt card, but I don't know if you can see it very well. But basically oh, that whole bottom row was caught in the pack. Which apparently there was a lot of print problems with Urza huh. with the pre release kits. Interesting. Like there's a lot of like misprint stuff. Um, but uh yeah, I got a pretty good one. Ragavan and Urza Saga and a crimped thing are all like I think together. Or at the time, I mean, just, they're way just more. Just the Ragavan. The Ragavan's like worth a lot of money. Yeah, 70 bucks. Yeah, I'm a, I, I, I gave in and I, I ordered a box. I opened most of a box. I held on to a handful of packs for us so that we could have chaos drafts at events. Yeah. 
And then I got a handful of uh, collector's boosters just because I want to open some cool flashy yeah. stuff. I have my, I have, I have a box of Honor Rises too. And then I, uh, I have, I got two of those. One to draft now, one to put in a closet and draft in like two years with friends. But so that's, uh, yeah. So we're, those are, those are things. Um, I'm really excited. This set's really dope. Uh, so that's, that's the metagame, I guess. Uh, I think it's dope. I think like it's a lot of really cool decks. I think like, that's my like weird trepidation with them banning Urza Saga. Like it, it, it feels like it's doing good things for the format, honestly. I mean, the, the format seems really cool. If you scroll down and you see some of the less played decks that are still showing up, though, like decks people like, there's still some of those same decks that were floating around a few months ago when we were talking about Hammer Time is still around. People still play Shadow. As you said, Jund is still around as a top deck. There's Merfolk decks. There's Merfolk decks. There's Scapeshift decks, Humans. There's a mill deck. Like, yeah, like, can I be sad in a format where Merfolk is doing well? I don't know if I can. Yeah, this looks like a really fun time. I want to build a modern deck and I want to start go jamming on Friday nights at the local shop. Yeah. I'm like definitely itching to do it. So I think we should do We should get on top of that. Right there. Yeah, I don't I don't like strangle root Christ is seeing play like there's like Delver's back. Enchantress is a real <laughs> deck, right? Jund is good. What's Jund doing? Let's 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 do one little little little. Let's put a what's going on with the pulse of Jund. All right, so it's playing Ignoble Hierarchs, Dwathi Voidwalkers, Kroxa, Tarmogoyf, Bloodbraid Elf, Renin Six, Grist the Hunger Tide, um, which is sweet. Liliana the Veil, Fatal Push, Inquisition, Kozilek, Lightning Bolt, Thoughtseize, Assassin's Trophy, K Command, Maelstrom Pulse. It's amazing because this deck has just evolved slowly but surely over the last few years as more powerful cards have gotten printed. It's the it's truly the deck. It just takes advantage of the best rate within its colors more than any deck. Right. Because like, is this card, you just like look at what it's playing now. Yeah. Is this card <laughs> generically good most of the time? And can I use yeah. discard spells to make sure that I stop my opponent from doing things that are a little too scary? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Good deck. It looks, yeah, it looks sweet. No, uh, no life in the loams for you, but uh, some other good stuff though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got got to mill your opponents now with that Dwathi Voidwalker. I mean, we the Voidwalker. That's that's so that's so sweet. That's our preview card. That's like a legit magic card. That's gonna be around for a while. Yep. That's like a really cool one that we got to preview. Yep, yep. Um, even Heliod Company. Like, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited. The Niv Delight decks are also really cool. Oh yeah, uh, those were the Niv Mizzet though. Reborn with uh, like Urions in the main and everything. That's super sweet too. Uh, yeah, I love I love what the format's looking like. I'm I have I have a lot of faith and hope uh, for for the first time, basically since Modern Horizons one. <laughs> uh, in in the future of modern, it's really it's really exciting. So yeah, I I think modern is an awesome place. I think modern is in an awesome place. I really agree with you that I think that you know the additions that the format has seen from the set have actually improved it. It feels exciting to look at the results. There's a lot of decks that I want to see in action that I want to play. So um, hopefully week to week, we have really fun modern stuff we can bring for you guys because this, this feels like the best place we've seen our podcast in the direction we can actually tackle modern content with in probably a year and a half. I mean, things really a year and a half ago started. To, they just turned off. There just wasn't modern anymore. So right, right. this is exciting. It's, it's really cool. Um, and yeah, as I said before, uh, please, uh, please give us a like. It's super important. But also, if you want us to if you want us to stream some us, me and Ben playing against modern me and Michael or Ben and Michael or any of us playing some modern content on Twitch and the YouTube, uh, please uh, comment which deck list you're most excited to see uh, or you'd like to see some of us play and uh, hit that like button. Um, and uh, also, if just to help the cast, 
podcast. Uh, there's a link. There's the affiliate link in the description. Just click on it. it goes to TCG Player. Then if you buy something on TCG Player in the future, it helps us out. So uh, that is super appreciated. Um, they're they're helping the cast out, and you help us help them, and it costs you nothing. It is a free action. You just click that link. Um, and then uh, last but not least, please, uh, we have a Patreon. Check that out. You get the episode a whole week early, unedited. There's a bunch of extra content in there, including Ben swore today. Uh, there's a whole oh! there's a whole uh, <laughs> beginning conversation about Loki and Luca and Constantine and a little bit of editing troubles in the beginning that you get to experience and listen alongside of us. Um, that's really fun. And uh, you just have to just be a patron. Also, we uh, opened up the Discord. So the MMCast Discord is now open for everyone. Uh, there's a link in the description below. Please click on that. Uh, and that'll let you in and come hang out and have a communication there. People are talking deck lists. Kind of what the Facebook group still is, but used to be. The Discord continues to be really great. And, and it's a really fun happen in modern place. And maybe a good place to find some digital games, too. Uh, so- yeah. And if you guys are hearing this on Tuesday, the 29th of June, what that means is... I put my second song out. I put it out yesterday. It dropped on the 28th of June. It's all on Spotify and Apple and all the things. It's called Late Night Love Song. It's the same, same artist, Ben Bateman. I've got two songs up now, and I'm going on tour in November. I'm going to be on tour for weekend shows, basically late week weekend shows for the month of November. I'll be all over the U.S. I've talked about New York, Chicago, uh, Florida, you know, Seattle, San Francisco. I'm all over the country. So uh, I'm announcing all those dates on the 28th of June as well. I'm going to be announcing the entire tour on the 28th of June. So. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, what have you. All that information will be available. If you guys want to see me, all the shows I'm booking are going to be these kind of private events. It's going to be like, I'm going to rent a private space, whether it's a small room, a yoga studio, a conference center, something like that, something that's got a PA system. And I'm going to sell the tickets directly and just make it kind of like a private party for maybe 30, 40 people a city, play a show with my guitar, and that's it. We can hang out afterwards, and it'll be a really good time. I'm looking forward to it. So um, if you guys want to see me on tour, check it out. Sweet, super sweet. I'm excited. We did a whole if you there was a preview of that song in last week's episode during the award show for Best Modern Horizon. It was at the very end. Yeah, so the very end. So if you, if you missed it. last week's episode, now is the time to go back and listen to Ben sing uh the first song from that album he released. It was dope. It was a live show. Tappy was there, Carson was there, Onward was there. We like had our phone, we did the lighter thing. We waited back cool. and forth. Um, I was under. I was underprepared. Under. You, you did a great job. It was. You were. It was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> all things considered, for me rushing you into it unprepared. Um, but yes, thank you everyone for watching. We'll talk to you next week. All right, bye guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.